I want to welcome you back for day five of week two, last day of the second week of looking at the New Testament. We're to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians is a book that tells you how to make the most of what God has given you. While it's a good thing to get training and practical skills to do your very best in every area of life, you have to begin at a deeper level if you want to see God make the most of your life. We often see people with the greatest skills fail because of a weariness that overtakes them or an insecurity that overcomes them or a sin that overwhelms them. That reminds us that that skills are good, but we need something more. Ephesians is the message of God's deeper foundation for a meaningful life. It's also the message that even when we might think it's over, God still has a plan for our lives. So let's begin, as we have with each of these letters, with a brief look at Paul, the author of Ephesians, and the people of Ephesus, who were the first to receive this letter. Ephesians 1, 1 1-2 says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. As with the letter to the Galatians that we looked at yesterday, Paul begins by saying he's an apostle of Jesus Christ sent by the will of God. An apostle is a a messenger who's sent as an authorized spokesman for Jesus Christ. And yesterday we talked about it's because they walk with Jesus Christ and they had the commission of Jesus Christ. We just touched on it yesterday. Let me go a little bit more deeply into it today. How could Paul, who began his ministry after Jesus was in heaven, be an apostle? How could Jesus have sent him? In the book of Acts is where we read that God arranged a special meeting with the apostle Paul on the road called Damascus where he personally called him to serve. And so out of that, he is serving as an apostle. And Paul says, out of that commission from Jesus Christ, he's now writing to the saints in Ephesus. The saints, that's interesting. The Bible's definition of saint is different than the first listing that you'll find in most dictionaries. The American Heritage Dictionary says a saint is a person officially recognized, especially by canonization, as being entitled to public veneration and capable of interceding for the people on earth, end quote. It's interesting that the second definition in that dictionary is that a saint is a person who has died and gone to heaven. Well, neither of those fit with any of the people of Ephesus. The the idea that we have of a saint being somebody who who lived a nearly perfect life and then is given a special designation in death is not the way that the word is used in the Bible. A close look at the New Testament shows that every Christian is called a saint. The word saint means someone who has been set apart. That's what the word literally means, set apart, set apart for God's special purposes. According to the Bible, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a saint. You may not feel worthy of that designation. The point of the first three chapters of the book of Ephesus is to show that you're not worthy in yourself of being called a saint but God has set you apart in Christ Jesus and made you worthy. That's the miracle of knowing Jesus. The saints Paul is writing to were in Ephesus, one of the larger cities of that day. It was originally built as a trade city, but its harbor was ruined as it had slowly filled with sediment over the years. And as a result, the trade suffered. So Ephesus became primarily a temple and tourist city. There was a temple to a false goddess named Artemis where the so-called worship had come to involve a culture of prostitution. The city was thought of as we might think of Las Vegas or Amsterdam today. Paul is writing to let them know that God has a different identity for them. He wants the church to know that our calling can be a greater influence than our culture. 
He wants you to know that. God wants you to know that. Your calling can be a greater influence than your culture. Paul had been to Ephesus. He'd seen how Christ could work to change even a city like that. In Acts chapter 19, we learned that Ephesus was the place where Paul stayed for nearly three years, longer than he stayed at any other church in his missionary journeys. About 10 years after his initial ministry in Ephesus, Paul's now a prisoner in Rome, writing this letter back to these people that he loved. And in his opening comments, Paul talks about the two worlds that we all live in as Christians. He says, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Did you see the two worlds? In Ephesus and in Christ Jesus. Well, just like the Ephesians, we live in the world, but we're not of the world. We live in the world, but more importantly, we're living in Christ. And that phrase, in Christ Jesus, is used 15 times in this letter. That's our identity. You are in Christ. Here's the picture of that. As believers in Christ, we're like scuba divers. We live in an alien environment to us. This world, water, we can't breathe it in or else it'll hurt us. It's filled with evil. But it's like we have this little tube sticking out of the environment that we're in that enables us to breathe. The the only source of oxygen for the scuba diver is through that tube. And the only source of real life for us in this world is that you are in Christ. It's through Christ. To try to live in this world without being in Christ is like a scuba diver trying to breathe with the tube under the water. No, you're in Christ, and that's where the air that you get to live in this world comes from. Now, as you look at the book of Ephesians, a very simple outline of Ephesians would be chapters 1 to 3, who we are, chapters 4 to 6, what we do. But we have a few more minutes than that, so I'd like to take a more personal look at the content of Ephesians and how it shows, it reveals six specific choices for making the best of what God has given you. Number one, you want to make the best of what God's given you? Number one, become overwhelmed by how much you've been given. Chapter 1, verse 3, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. The way to make the most of what you've been given is to look at what God has given you. Uh, Whether you feel like you've been given a lot in this world or not, and some feel like they've been given a lot, some feel like they've been given less than nothing, you've been given every spiritual blessing in Christ. We all stand equal as followers of Christ in that. So the way to make the best of what God has given into your life is to be overwhelmed, not by what you don't have. Of course, we can see in this world things that we don't have. It doesn't matter how rich you are. It doesn't matter how much you have. This world is lacking. So of course, we can be overwhelmed by how how much we don't have. But instead of that, be overwhelmed by how much you have been given in Jesus Christ. That's how you make the best of what God's given you. Second way to make the best of what God's given is to live a life of grace. That's in chapter 2. Chapter 2, verses 8 to 10, famous verses in the Bible. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this not from ourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we're saved by grace. We are God's workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. If you get that out of order, you're not going to make the best of what God's given you. There are some people who try to do good works in order to get God's grace. If I do enough good works, God's grace will come to me when I go to heaven. That's a recipe for failure. You can't do enough good works because we're not good enough. God is perfect. We'll never reach it. 
So you live a frustrating life. To make the best of what God's given, you live this life of grace. You realize that it's not from myself. It's the gift of God. I have God's grace in my life. And out of the appreciation that I have for God's grace, then I do good works. In fact, they're the works that God prepared in advance for me to do. I don't have to do them. I'm privileged to do them because of what God's done in me. That's how you make the best of what God's given. Third thing you do is you center your life on serving through the body of Christ. To make the best of what God's given, you serve in the body that Jesus left on this earth. That's the most powerful institution, most powerful organism that there is on this earth, the body of the church of Jesus Christ. Chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Ephesians 3, 20 to 21. Down through, the, down through Christian history, that phrase, in the church and in Christ Jesus, has bothered some people enough that they wanted to write out the in the church part, but you can't because the church is Jesus' body in this world. Yes, we are in churches that struggle, and yes, the church is often imperfect, but it's also the body of Christ. So it's through the church that you're going to make the best of what God has given into your life. You're going to make the greatest impact of the gifts that God has given you and the calling that God has put in your life. Fourth thing that you and I need to do to make the best is to learn to put off the old and put on the new. Chapter 4, 17 to 520. You were taught, verse 22 of chapter four, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires and to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So to make the best of what I've been given, it's almost like I picture this this taking off of an old tattered dress or coat and putting on the new dress, the new coat. Put off the old, put on the new. The old ways of doing things are not going to cause me to make the best of what God's given in my life. It's only putting on the new life, the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That is not a one-time decision I've discovered. It's a daily decision. Fifth thing to do to make the best of what God's given is you be unselfish in your relationships. Chapter 521 to 69. 521 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. One of the most powerful ways to impact this world is through your unselfishness in your closest relationships. Paul talks in these chapters about parents and about marriage and about people who work together. Be unselfish there and you will make the greatest impact. It's not in the great events and moments of our lives that we count in the ones. I was able to be there when that happened, that we make the greatest impact. It's in the things that we count in the thousands, the thousand conversations that we have with our husband or wife, the thousand conflicts that we have with our kids. Be unselfish there. You will make the greatest impact with your life. And then number six, he reminds us, the sixth thing you do is you fight spiritual battles expecting to win. Chapter 6, 10 to 24, these are the chapters that talk about the full armor of God and the picture of the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of faith. He starts that out in 6.11 by saying, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. You realize if you want to make the best of what God's given into your life, you realize there's somebody's fighting against the best, but you don't have to lose that battle. You can win that battle by putting on God's armor. You don't fight it in your armor. You put on God's armor of faith. 
You put on God's armor of righteousness. You put God's armor of trusting in the good news of Christ. That's where the power comes from. God wants you to make the best of what he's given. And Ephesians just lays out, here's how you do it. Here's how you follow him. So let's ask for God's strength in it. Our Father, sometimes we wear ourselves out trying to make the best of what we've been given. Sometimes we want to give up because we're tired of trying to make the best of what we've been given. I pray that Ephesians will remind us to live in a new way, that you're working to make the best of what you've given into our lives. So free us from the burden of trying to live this life for you on our own and give us the privilege, Jesus Christ, of living in you. We are in Christ. And out of that, we can do all of these things that Paul encourages in our lives. We want to be overwhelmed by how much we've been given. We want to live a life of grace. We want to center on serving through the church. And we want to put off the old, put on the new. We want to be unselfish. We want to fight spiritual battles, knowing that through you we can win. But it all starts with being in Christ. So right now, as we start this day, as we end this day, wherever we are in the day, we recognize we are in you, Jesus, and that's where our strength is. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, join us next week. We're going to keep on looking at the New Testament and how God teaches us book by book how to live the kind of life that he wants us to live. <music>